In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Okay, well, I think the whole idea of light and dark comes with a lot of baggage. So when I, you know, what comes to mind when I say light, when we think about light? If you just like to put your hand up, just shout out, what comes to mind? Yeah. Happiness, yes. Joy, what else, someone else? Hope, yeah. Possibilities, thanks, Don. Laughter, Richard, thank you, yeah. Truth, thank you. Sorry? Lack of darkness, very good. Yeah, so you can see that. Now, when I say the word darkness, what comes up then? Just to put your hand again. Cold. Cold. What else? Fear. Empty. Fear. Fear. Evil. Sorry? Crisis. Vices. Yes, vices and crisis. Yes, what else? Anything else? Darkness. Sorry? Sleep, sleep, the chance to sleep no more. Absolutely right. And yet, when you look at it, both are necessary. Both light and dark are necessary. And in that reading, you can see that actually the darkness was there before the light. In the beginning, it was darkness covered the surface of the deep. And it was only the arrival of light that created the difference between light and dark that we know of as day. And you know, we also know that there is no such thing as darkness. There is no such thing as darkness. There is only the spectrum of light. And some of that spectrum we can see, and some of that spectrum we can't see. Dark at night becomes light when we use night goggles that enables us to see in the dark. Cats can see more than we can. And what we think of as being dark is really just a different kind of light. So the whole idea of light and dark is actually completely subjective. Light is there all the time. It's just that sometimes we can see it and sometimes we can't. When we can't see the light, we call it darkness. But really it's not darkness. It's just the inability to see the light. It is we who determine the light and the dark rather than it being an intrinsic reality. We're talking really about our own point of view on things. And the same goes with the baggage that we give light and darkness. The idea that light is good and dark is bad. It is our subjective view of the world based upon our fears and our worries. 
And that seems to be reinforced by the Bible with the idea that God is light. In John's first letter, he says, This is the message we have heard from him declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. In him there is no darkness at all. And if you look at Psalm 139, it says, Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. And do you know, that actually fits the science of things. That fits the science because there is no darkness, just different forms of waves of light, some of which we can see and some of which we cannot. But the truth is there is no darkness at all. And so actually we live in a world of light, some of which we can perceive and some of which we can't. And the light we can't perceive we call darkness. And you know, the same is true of God. We live in a world of spirit, some of which we can perceive and some of which we can't. And the spirit we can't see, we call darkness or evil. Our view of spirit is as subjective as our view of light. It's there all the time, that spirit, but sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes the spirit is obscured. Like that reading, often our lives feel formless and empty and dark, as if darkness was covering the surface of our deep. And we address that experience at the time of Advent. You know, traditionally, and we're going to do this next year, it's in the diary already, the time of Advent is a time of cleaning. So I'm just preparing you. I like to do things ahead. We've decided that there's going to be a special cleaning theme to Advent next year. See if he's got it all in the diary. So we're going to, But traditionally, it's a time of cleaning in preparation for Christmas, Advent. And in cleaning, we look at all those areas that we have left, those things we have left undone, those things which we've swept under the carpet, and yet they crunch every time we step on them. And just like we're cleaning our house in preparation for the light to come, so we also house clean our inner life during Advent. It's like Lent Advent, funnily enough. It's the same sort of thing. We take the time to look into our darkness in the preparation of the light to come. And even saying that actually brings baggage that in some way it has to be painful and bad to look at the dark. And yet the badness and and pain comes when we don't look. We know that the pain is there, like something swept under the carpet, and we deliberately don't go near it because we don't want to deal with it. Well, now is the time for that. And that darkness is pretty close for most of us. That darkness hovers just under the surface of the deep. You know, most of us, you know, we have stuff going on. We have worries. We have fears. We have depression. Even just the fact that we're not enjoying our lives or that things don't seem to be going right for us at the moment. You know, we might be able to avoid it during the summer or even the winter with skiing or whatever, But often that unease is there and we call it our darkness or our shadow self. Left unattended to these things, they just get worse. They can fester 
and they can lead to an experience of even greater darkness. But in Advent, we make the conscious decision to acknowledge them. We remind ourselves that this darkness is really light not seen. This spirit is spirit, this dark spirit is spirit, absence of spirit is spirit not seen. And this malaise is really just spirit not seen. We know that we have a designated time of joy for the future. Christmas, it's a designated time of joy. You have to enjoy it. There's no getting away from it, you know. You have to enjoy it. And so, so that we can experience that joy genuinely, it is important to deal with the issues that we've kept at bay. That's the idea of it. Because if we don't look at them now, they'll still be with us untransformed at Christmas. And we'll not be able to experience the joy of Christmas in all its purity because there will still be with this underlying, undealt with malaise. So that's why we use Advent to do a bit of housekeeping, both literally because we don't want our house guests to see our home in a mess, none of us, and also internally so that as we approach Christmas, we may have real joy and peace rather than joy tingled with malaise. And the way we address the malaise is to realise that just as there is not reality in any darkness and that light pervades everything, so there is no such thing as the absence of spirit. Even if we feel that things are not going great and have worries and fears about the future and are not really enjoying things, there is a spirit present that can comfort us through that. There is a light and peace at the centre of ourselves if we can touch that. And the Advent candle burning is a reminder of that, a light that seems to shine in the darkness. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And it's important to realise that our experience of that darkness or malaise is in fact subjective, that the light is always shining, whether we see it or not. Those of you here last week, we talked about the idea of a higher power and a verse Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. And it is by that spirit that we can transform our experience of darkness. In that reading, now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Our view of life has to be of that order. In spite of our darkness, we have to say, let there be light. We have to open ourselves to that spirit that we cannot see. In Corinthians, Paul says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It is an inner gaze that we're asked to take up. And that is a gaze that doesn't put a value on our subjective perspective. Yes, the worst might happen, and does. But we are a part of something that is immeasurably greater than ourselves. This is the key thing. We're a part of something that's immeasurably greater than ourselves. And it is to that tune that we should sing, rather than to the dirge that we make of our woes and of our problems. There isn't a greater tune. If there isn't a greater tune, if there isn't a greater tune, then we're all wasting our time here. 
If there isn't a greater self, then we are all completely wasting our time here. If there is no higher power, if there is no greater purpose, if there is no greater consciousness, then we just might, well, eat, drink and be merry. You know, tomorrow we die. Who cares? But you see, that's not my bet. That hasn't been my bet in my life. I've bet my life on the fact that there is a greater calling, that our lives do have meaning, so that even our pain and sorrow has meaning when it's experienced as a part of something greater. We transform it on behalf of others. Our ability to transform our pain and suffering through seeing it in the light of a greater spirit is our purpose in life. You want to know what your purpose is? That's your purpose. I'll repeat that. Our ability to transform our pain and suffering through seeing it in the light of a greater spirit is our purpose in life. It is our contribution. That emotional photosynthesis, which takes our pain and transforms it to love, is the unique contribution that each of us has to make. It is the only way that we can transform our world. Just think of this. If we had no pain, there would be no transformation. There would be no creation. So that malaise that we feel, whatever it is, be it fear or grief or upset or depression, is the raw material that we have for making a difference in the world. Now, I just want to do a caveat. You should always take your meds. It's true. If you have an illness, be it depression or whatever, it's not your job to fight it alone. You know, you need a doctor and you need to take your meds. Getting help is part of that transformation. It is seeing things in the right context that's important and realising that what we see as our darkness is in fact light not seen. And if we need help with that, we need to get help. It is those of us that actually know that we can actually make that transformation. This is what we're we're talking about. On a day-to-day level, it means being aware of our thoughts, of keeping ourselves centred on our hearts, of contacting that peace that passes all understanding, that's always there, whether we choose to acknowledge it or not. And so our emphasis is not on the dark, but on the light, not on the absence of spirit, but the spirit itself. And by lighting that one candle, we remind ourselves that the light is always there and that we can rely on that light. Let's pray. So we just pray by just acknowledging that we do have chaos in our lives, one form or another. And we pray that we may be able to contact that light and peace which is at the centre and that it may enable us to transform our grief and our fear and in some small way to offer love to those around us, even if we don't feel like it. The very fact that we're offering that love person by person is the act of transformation. It doesn't have to feel a certain way. It is the act of moving forward into love and sharing that with others. 
We pray for all those who feel that they live in darkness at the moment. We think of people in prisons. We think of people in unjust regimes. We think of people without justice who feel that they live in that darkness. And we pray for them and pray that we may be appropriate to them that we may in some way be able to create love and light in our lives and it will be shared with them. We pray for our leaders, all those at the G20, that a sense of that light and love may come through them and that they may see the imperative of transforming fear into love. We pray for those affected by grief and particularly those affected by fires and and, uh, weather events all around the world, people who've had loved ones taken from them untimely. We pray for them. We pray that they may be able to, to have a sense of their love in their hearts 